Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 71 of the Okie Geek Podcast. I'm Michael Cross. And I'm Josh Unruh. And our guests this week are fellow podcasters Robbie Herlocker and Vinton Bain of Hamilton the Podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank Thanks. you for having us. Yeah, it's been a great time. Now, you guys are taking a two-week break, so we thought we'd have you here instead. <laughs> right. You uh, don't talk about Hamilton enough, so come here. That's right. <laughs> and I guess the first thing is I just kind of want ask each of you what got you into Hamilton in the first case first place well I have always been a musical theater person and I've really enjoyed going up and uh, just learning about everything that's on Broadway everything that's off Broadway I got my start into musical theater with Godspell and so I'm used to listening to stories from the past in musical format and going through all these really fun things and so I have a couple friends who are a little closer to the Broadway scene than I am, and they were actually guests on our show in episodes three and four. Mm-hmm. My yeah. my college roommate and his wife were um, essentially loving this thing called Hamilton, and they said, hey, you need to get to know this thing. We saw it the opening month of when it was on Broadway, going to Broadway, and I got to have a wonderful, t- like, they just sat me down in their room and we listened to the entire soundtrack and they were explaining the staging to me saying, hey, at this moment, the person grabs a bullet and they're walking across the stage slowly towards Hamilton's head. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. And so it was a nice little uh, segue between being able to listen to the album and before I got to ever see anything, any clips of anything, it was nice to kind of relive that. But they kind of brought me into that. That's really cool. Vinton, where, where did you... Robbie. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he, 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 had, he had heard the musical and then he had sent me a text or something and said, you need to check this thing out. And I've always been into uh, stage performances, but I've never really been the musical side of that. And there's not many musicals that really catch my eye. And that right. just seemed like more frou-frou. And I was like, ah, I don't know about musicals. That seems out there a little bit for me. But there are a few that I really love and enjoy. Uh, and since watching Hamilton, I'm now a huge musical fan. I love all musicals. Yeah, it, so. it really grabs you into wanting to listen to what what else is being put out especially Definitely. if you do Rent or something like that yeah, yeah, obviously for was sure. influenced by that but I've always been a huge hip hop fan and so when he said that it was hip hop American history and I love history I was like huh this is weird and I, 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 really, things I, like. I didn't really have time to listen to it for a few weeks but then I went on this long road trip taking a southwest American road trip across through the Grand Canyon and everything and a lot of highway time. My wife and I listened to the whole album while driving on the highway straight through in one listen, and we were both in tears by the end of it. It was amazing. Right. It changed my life. I think it was a long time before you responded to my text message about, hey, you need to listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. You were taking your time. I was texting you while driving for sure while we were going through the highway. Was through tear-stained eyes. Was that was last year, last year uh, November, early November last okay, year. Okay. Right. Josh, when did, when did you get into Hamilton? Very similar time for mm-hmm. very similar reasons. Yeah, it wasn't going to be Vinton goes Robbie and I go Vinton and Robbie. Like that was the thing. I was uh, I was kind of like vaguely aware of it and had wanted to check it out because I'm also a longtime hip hop fan. And ha- but I'd been thinking, I don't know, this is going to sound a little condescending and I mean very specific things about it because I was also reading like epic poetry at the at the time that I was starting to have these thoughts that I was like I'd really like to see or hear I guess some more um I I, I don't know broader themes in hip-hop that that don't let go of the things that are very intrinsically hip-hop and that's real talk that's some tricky business I mean you could you could lose either one very quickly um and then I so I started hearing about about Hamilton and then when when these guys started when I would just peripherally hear them talking about how I needed to be listening to Hamilton. And so I did. 
and here we are. However, unlike Vinton, who luckily got to go all the way through at once, I was mm-hmm. listening to it with um with my kid, and he has a lot of favorites in the first act, you guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we we spent I, I I was like sort of trapped in the first act for Mm-hmm. A long time. I listened to the first act three times before I even started Act Two. I was about yeah. to do that too. I my only thing. I, of course, I'm I'm new to this. I I just I've known about Hamilton. I'm obviously I work for NPR, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk of Hamilton. It's come up. Hamilton's done yes, <laughs> and and it, everyone knows about it. I'm not a hip hop fan, and I but I'm a musical fan, a history fan. So I was really worried about getting it. Finally, the library got the the copy, and I was like, I got to have this. So I listened to it, and I was the same way. I got through the first act. And I, I did go immediately to the second act and listen to something, but I didn't want to because I knew that things weren't quite as good in this, the Revolutionary War. That's fantastic. And as, as said, you know, uh, winning is easy, governing is harder. I knew that this stuff was not going to be as great in, in act two. Right. I just you, didn't know how bad it was going to get. Exactly. I, I mean, I, early act two, though, feels it's just as contentious yeah. as the war. It's just sort of internal. Mm-hmm. It's not. But I mean, then then you get a little further on, and it's like, oh, here I I mirror. Uh, is it Madison? I forget who it was. It's like, can we get back to politics? Oh, like please? I am that. Yeah. Who is it? This is please. Yeah. It's like because I've yeah all this sad. I, I mean, just, yeah. Like I'm still. I think I told you. I think I was telling Robbie and Vinton earlier this week. I accidentally listened. I was cooking and listening, and accidentally didn't stop it before it's quiet uptown. Oh. And I was like, why? I will rip your heart yeah. out. Why? Yep. And then, yeah, just mascara running all over the place. I, and I, yeah, I, 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 it's the first time I heard that, and of course, Quiet Uptown, and then, can we get back to politics, please? I, did, I said the yeah. same thing. I was like, yeah, please, really? Because Cabinet Battle won. And the answer is sort of. Yeah. As a yeah. history wonk, Cabinet Battle One is probably one of my favorites because yeah. it really is history. It's the battle between the, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists right. right there. Well, and as a hip-hop wonk, that's, Amazing yep. to me through that song because that's what you grow up yeah. on. It's the people battling in hip hop, and you're like, oh, this is in the album. They have something like this just recorded. This is amazing. They have two rap battles right there. It's, How perfect yeah. to take these politics and people going against each other with their ideas and, and change it to a hip hop battle where they're going against each other with their flows and rhymes. Yeah, I was just very uh, watching this past cycle's uh, debates. I don't see any reason that they couldn't just turn them into rap battles. Yeah. Like the right. skill set is not <laughs> any more other. A governing skill set than than debate, uh, than that style. You know that style of debate. Let's just man, make it more entertaining for me. Rhymes, <laughs> rhyme some stuff. Get some get some proper disses in there. That is definitely the most natural transition into the genre of hip hop. Is that when you have two arguments back and forth mm-hmm. going against each other, and I mean, yeah, that's the natural setting for a hip hop battle. Just one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Just now, you guys have gone. I've just, I've only gotten. I'm listening to the podcast. I've only gotten to uh, episode nine, but I did actually listen to the recent one uh, about your uh, about the Turn electoral my college. <laughs> we won't talk about the electoral college. What I want to talk about is I, just uh, listeners. If you're out there and if you love Hamilton and you haven't heard this podcast, you need to because the, one of the things that I love is I will likely never see this on Broadway. Mm. The mm. best I can get to is it might tour or they might make a movie about it. Um, which is pretty much the only way I'm going to get to see it. It's yeah. touring. I think Chicago's as close as it is right Chicago now. Chicago and then San Francisco. I mean, it's not Oklahoma. original cast, obviously, but yeah. it's touring. Yeah. I don't and th- I would, 
I would go to Chicago even in the winter. And they do have a recording <laughs> of it. They just haven't released it. They've had the recording for a while That's now. That's true. And they just don't have any plans of what the do. Well, they might have plans, but they haven't announced anything of what they're Oh, like a kind of that. a video, yeah, a they, movie they version did a of full, the, the... They did a full video recording of the of the cast before anyone actually stepped off the stage and said, we're, we're done with this for now. Uh, so that way they have all the original cast members in this recording archived for a later date, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I can't blame them for not doing it before no. the tour starts because you'd have a lot of That's people true. who just wouldn't. Oh, well, if I can get the, I mean, there's something, there's a little magic about the original cast, Sure. you know, um, there's magic about that, but there's also magic about any, any live performance as well. Yeah. This is yeah, a, this yeah. is a medium that everyone enjoys in the audio format from the original cast recording, but it's also something that is designed to be a visual medium. Yeah. You're yes. supposed to see this and experience it. And not all of us get that opportunity, but I, I think it's approachable enough. You can get it through the album, but I think that this is something designed to be experienced in that theater setting with that intimate uh, relationship between the people on the stage and the audience members too. If you're a fan of musical theater, if you're a fan of any kind of theater, you would know that going and seeing a live, I've seen live performance of many shows many times because every time you go see a show, even if it's the same cast, yeah, it's going to be it's different. different. Right. But a lot of people in, in today's society, in this, today's movie and visual society, don't know that. And so I think that's why they're a little reticent to release any kind of video, because they're worried that people in, in today's YouTube society will go, well, I've already seen it. I don't need to see it again. Yeah. yeah. You know, which isn't true. I, you know, you, it's going to be different, and that's going to be the beauty of it. Uh, when you guys talked about the new guy who's, who came in as, as uh, the King George. Rory O'Malley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's going to bring a whole new set to it. And, For sure. And everybody who brings it in, especially because it is hip hop. So it's going to be different. Be a little improvisational. I yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of the roles, they do let the person playing that role have a bit of say of how they perform it. And they can change little things here and there. Sure. And of course, there's always the way that you move on stage. Uh, famously, uh, was it? Beyonce that said that she was going to steal the dance from King George. I think I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, yes. I think it was. She was like, I gotta I gotta have that for my performance. The walk, that's fantastic. The walk, the, yeah, the way he like strutted. <laughs> and did I hear you guys say that they're talking about opening up the gender roles? Even that that basically yeah. saying so. Essentially, they wanted to list some type of open casting for certain roles, so that we might see that not only is our first American president being played by a person of color, but we might also see that this is a role that could be opened up to being played by a female. And so you might see the original president being played by a female president just to kind of break that barrier yeah. a little bit. If we can't break it in our actual political context, we'll mm -hmm. break the glass ceiling on the stage. Well, I like the idea. I like the idea that when, and it was the beauty of when I listened to Hamilton was the realization that you didn't have to be a certain person to play a role, which is unusual on Broadway. I think even if you look at Rent, where I, I the first time I saw Rent, I, or heard Rent, actually, same thing as I heard it long before I ever saw it. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, this could be played by a multitude of people, but for some reason, every time you see Rent on stage, no matter what, it's they're always the same race and the same uh, gender every time. And I'm like, you know, you really yeah. actually can kind of mix that up, but they don't ever do it. But I thought Hamilton was one of the few musicals where you could actually, anybody could play whatever role. There's certain, I mean, right. Skylar Sisters would be <laughs> awkward if it was the Skylar Brothers, but. Well, I don't know. Cause I mean, it's been a minute, but those, uh, those three kids, I know that this video, you guys saw this video. The Hamill kids the when they go was out. Was it that? I mean, it was about? just these three. There were three boys that did. Oh, yeah. The Skylar Sisters yes. with, oh. with a singer who I think is Broadway, but I don't 
I am not a musical I, theater person, and she did the she did the burr okay. part. I I'd have to I, go dig it back up. I think I know what you're talking about. It's the but they were all eight the kids or nine, from seven, eight, nine. One of the boys from the School of Rock performance on Broadway right now, and oh, a couple of the yeah, other performances. Yeah. One of the kids from uh, maybe Fun Home. I don't recall right yeah. now, but yeah, I yeah, do remember. I had no what recognition because it's not my that's not my area. But but I was like, that's amazing. And I mean, they they are. It, it was even. Um, you know, adult woman as Burr with these three kids as as the Skylar sisters and uh, that part in the song Skylar sisters. And it was amazing. So um, I don't know. Very interesting. I, when you were talking about switching things, I know that there are a couple of uh, um, roles that, you know, switch. And it would be sort of interesting instead of like if they didn't switch this way, they, they cross switched right. so that whoever played Lafayette goes to play. Um, I forget Reynolds's first name, Mrs. Reynolds. Anyway, I, you know, and then okay. whoever and then whoever played uh, Peggy oh. gets to go do uh, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, you know, like interesting. It, yeah, no, you could play with it. Is what I'm saying. I mean, they have some roles that right. are built to be played by multiple yeah. people. Yeah, talking about or those, by the same per- multiple roles by the same person. So yeah. Right, English is hard. Those well, transitions, I, I, they do that. They do that. I mean, I like the way they do that. The way you guys yeah. described how the 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 switch between them, uh, especially with I we fought with him, yes. is the same two people that fought. With him in the revolutionary, but fought with him in in Congress. That's really uncomfortable for me because I really like Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson sucks. So (laughs) I'm admitting that is a difficult transition. (laughs) That's why I like the juxtaposition that that they that they've chosen that way. I feel sorry is for Peggy, though. Um, I don't know who, what else if she plays anything else, but it's like the Skylar sisters and Angelica. Well, Eliza, she does, and Peggy. She has a big role, yes. Yeah. yeah. In, the, in the second act, she actually comes back as Mariah Reynolds. Yep. Oh, Mariah, that's is what it is. That person. I kept wanting to say Maria, and I knew that wasn't right. Well, that's right. she comes back as Mariah Reynolds. It's spelled Maria, and in the musical, it's pronounced Mariah, and so I've heard audiobooks, biographies. Reasons? I don't know. It's, <laughs> I've heard it both ways. I've heard narrators for my audiobooks, biographies saying Maria. I don't know what's right. Yeah, I can't. I have a real hard time listening to just say no. I, I yeah. really have. A, I just be say no to this. Say no to this. Yeah. Or say no yeah, to this. Yeah. 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 Those those drug campaigns from the '90s are coming back. Just they're say in, no. They're in forever. Uh, on yes. the mixtape, they decided to add in a song "Say Yes to This" from Mariah. Yeah, you were mentioning so that. good. That's real fun. Yeah, I, that I'm. You know, I just it. it I, and that's another one that I skipped with my son. I was just like, oh, oh, yeah. we're gonna skip that one. He's like, I said, he cheats on his wife. It's horrible. You'll come up. And I, but I did actually keep in, of course, the Reynolds pamphlet. I was like, you gotta understand this. Yeah. I just kind of give you an idea. He cheats on his on his wife. It's awful, horrible. We're moving on to the next one. How, how old is your son? Ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Yeah. I mean. One of the things I love about this musical is watching children fall in love with it. Mm. And there are definitely parts of this musical that are not necessarily children appropriate. Right. And you don't want to get into all the topics. So parents listening to this shouldn't just let their kids just put on push play unless you have listened to it first and you're okay right. with that. Like make that call yourself. But one of the things that has been amazing and magical about watching people fall in love with Hamilton is watching kids start asking analytical analytical questions yeah. like, hey, if Aaron Burr's doing this, why doesn't he just do this instead? Or like, well, yeah, he's a real person with flaws right. and with <laughs> right. like real things that he did and real complicated aspects to himself. And so it's interesting to see them dive into history in a way that they're actually asking questions and they're they're engaging with it in a fascinating way that I haven't seen in a lot of ways. I haven't seen in a lot of different settings before not nothing like this has ever actually engaged yeah. the kids before now granted yes the actually the first five words of the musical 
might not be get a Okay, but so I don't know if I've got to tell you guys this. All right, Robbie and Vinton and I hang out a lot. <laughs> off mic but yes. that's why i say i'm not sure that i got to tell you guys this specifically but i mean how many times at this point have uh elijah and i listened to this like hundreds mm -hmm. at this point right and it wasn't i mean maybe two or three weeks ago that we're listening to it and he and the first lines are uh you can bleep bleep me if you need to. Mike. I don't know. No, actually, How I does, think I, because because I don't because they're, they're not they're not they're not, not bad a, words and they are not and even a, that's what I had to tell that's what I had to tell my son. It's right. like, Okay, wait a minute, a, a, a bastard son of a whore that he right. that is historically accurate. Yeah. it yeah. is completely correct. Yeah. And these are not bad words because they are used. It's like yeah. calling a dog a bitch. Right. Now that was something you know, we had to talk about when we started the podcast because we wanted a clean rating and we were like, can we say bastard? And can we whore? quote these words? Yes, because it makes sense. It has a meaning. It's not a curse word. It's not being used as a curse word. Now, they're, because they're used story. historically correct and, and in their I have a anyway. whole other conversation about how stupid <laughs> and the whatever we'll, now we'll personal story personal story on this one when i was in probably third or fourth grade i asked my preacher father i'm the son of a preacher man and i asked him hey is bastard a bad word because i heard people at school throwing it around and he said he gave me the scholarly prof professorial answer to that saying no technically it is this and he explained that this is an illegitimate son a child born out of wedlock he explained to me this and so i thought i went back to school and what i got out of that instructions from my father was oh, no. oh i can say this word to people because yep. it's not a bad word yeah. and so i was able to just go around and i was just using the left i was not using it accurately right. and respectfully and so uh, yeah it was an interesting moment where i had to kind of grow and learn that not every word that is technically not a curse word should be applied to every setting and you have to use i mean it's it may be acceptable in certain contexts and not in others so yeah. it's actually worse i would say i think one on your hancock creative podcast it's been a minute when you guys talk about the difference between oh yeah like a like how did you draw um, the lines curse words and like something swear else words and swear and words and cursing. curse words Cursing because bastard is a curse yeah. you are you are labeling somebody right. with right. more weight than exactly yeah because they had the everything to do with their parents yeah. marital status yeah. when they were born so yeah let's make sure their lives are more complicated it's the sins of the father type of situation um, mm -hmm. so the thing the 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 bit at my house when elijah finally um, asks me what's a you know what's a uh bastard and what's a whore now we live in the year of our lord 2016 aka the dumpster fire so heads up this is not the first time that my uh, nine-year-old and i have had a conversation about the inequality between the sexes yes uh so so whore was actually relatively and we and we i gritted my teeth and we did say no to this one time and then the rest of the time i kind of i kind of skip it but we you know you're getting you're getting the whole thing this is usually for married people and he stepped out like and and now now we just we skip but so we'd already had a lot of the sort of foundational stuff for this my wife had just stepped out to like grab some stuff from the garden when he asks me this and i had to go hold on and i stepped out to the garden and was like heads up when you come back in we are going to be in the middle of explaining what bastards and whores are so don't freak out and she was like thanks right. for the heads up because it wasn't this was a conversation that was worth ha anyway yeah, it, it, so then i start to explain illegitimate yeah. you know that's why uh we talked about being an orphan and not being taken care of and how he went you know very much from home to home and was on his own and taking care of his little brother blah 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 and the best part of this not only did he completely get it because again 2016 gave us ample opportunity to lay this foundation mm -hmm. but my wife is a child support enforcement 
for the state of Oklahoma. She comes in in the middle of this conversation and gets to to her nine-year-old say, you know how we've never really talked about what I do at work? Like we had kind of shielded him from from a lot of that. Oh, wow. Uh, She got to say the, the stuff that happened to Hamilton we work very, very hard to make sure as much as possible doesn't happen to people. That's my job. That's and that's incredible. literally the first time, yeah. because again, you never know. You don't, you don't tell your two and three and four and five year old mm-hmm. what mom does at work for, for the department when that's, when yeah. that's the job. Right. But eventually, you know, the opportunity arises and it, Hey, thanks Hamilton. She finally got to talk wow. to her kid about what she does all day. I think that, I mean, we run a podcast that is springboarded from the lyrics of Hamilton the musical, so it's totally, like, just doesn't even need to be said, but the conversations that we can have just springboarded from the Hamilton lyrics are incredible. The relevance of the topics addressed are just fantastic, and we talked about um, the way we springboard into different relevant topics here in your family, Mm -hmm. and we, uh, like, we could talk about how uh, gender equality is something that is directly addressed throughout a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the casting would answer some of that as well, but I mean, just in some of the lyrics, like you see that Alexander Hamilton is called insane in a positive way. says, this kid is insane, man. And it's awesome. You're supposed to be excited and riled up about how great he is. Then Angelica Schuyler comes on the scene and she says, Hey, I've been reading common sense by Thomas Paine. And so men look at me and say, I'm intense or insane. And it's not as positive in that moment. And you see the hysteria. And if there's ever, and if there's another character who is very much played as the opposite number, the equal, but opposite number to, to Hamilton, it's, it's Angelica. Angelica. Yeah. And so, yeah, that juxtaposition is not, that's not accidental at all. No, no way. No, they, um, I, I, think that, I think Lynn has a really good idea of what's going on with men and women, it, it, which especially if you've been following hip hop your whole life, there's all there's it's complicated. Yeah, it really is. And um, especially if you know, like the inside industry and that like a lot of women helped write like NWA songs and these things that like they were involved in the background, but they never yeah. get credit for any of it. And so it gets even more complicated when you start learning about the, how it goes deeper and deeper. Yeah. One of the one of the reasons I've always appreciated Hamilton. So or I've always appreciated hip hop so much, but that has been a barrier for me getting into a lot of popular hip hop songs is the fact that there is a lot of it that gets onto the radio that is about pistol whipping cops or disrespecting women and doing glorifying a drug lifestyle. And that's not to say that that is intrinsic in all of hip hop, nor is that to say that every song that addresses those issues is bad because there are times when we have to address that people coming from certain contexts will have certain point of views that need to be, need to be at least listened to and handled in a way that legitimizes their experiences without legitimizing what comes out of that and what you do with those experiences. So it's always been a barrier for me to see a genre that I appreciate because I'm a poet and I love slam poetry. I love people who can do the things that Sage Francis or Biggie or mm-hmm. uh, or Tupac do. Those things are incredible and I'm able to listen to that, but then I start having this barrier to I can't uh, where I can't applaud a disrespecting... a. a song that disrespects women so much but Hamilton in itself deals with that and addresses a lot of these things in a way that I I was like okay this is my genre this is my like it's Broadway and it's hip-hop and it's history and it's relevant and so to me there's no person out there that can't find one thread of uh, of something inside of Hamilton that is their 
connection point. Right. This is appealed to so many people because it is history. So if you're a history buff, you love this. This is appealed to people because of it's it, it's actually good hip hop. It's good Broadway. You mm-hmm. don't just have hip hop. You have King George coming in and singing a Beatles style <laughs> breakup song with the Thirteen Colonies, and it's so much fun there. And so you're appealing to the Broadway side. You're appealing to the politically relevant people, and you're appealing to so many different areas that you may think, well, I've got the hip hop box and the Broadway box checked, but I don't care about history. You're still into this. Yes. And so it's, it's interesting how easily it is that you can get people into this. Well, and I think it was very relevant, especially this past year uh, with the election cycle and everything going Goodness, on. Yeah. Uh, you, you could see it. Uh, and I think that's why I think a lot of people got upset that the cast did what they did when uh, when Mike Pence showed up. Right. But and I didn't understand it because I that happened before I listened to the, this this the soundtrack okay, and yeah. then I heard it and I went uh, no I totally understand and I and I, it wasn't from a progressive or conservative side it was Not once you listen to this musical it involves you in politics it involves you in past politics as well as current politics so for them to stand up and, and speak their minds as artists. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you've just been because it was after the musical is over. Right. Yeah. So they are already pumped up with this, these ideals and thoughts that they've already had mm-hmm. for them to get up and say what they thought and felt. It seemed totally yeah. natural. And, and there is a lot of misinformation that got spread around that in the era of post-truth politics yes. and, and in exactly the era that. of false news. news stories and that. Like what happened there is you see the cast members standing up saying effe- effectively Hey, we are glad you came to this show. We hope that some of the themes of this show really sink in, and we hope that you will represent us and the themes that we're trying to event, like the themes we're trying to advance in this musical. We hope you'll take them to heart and represent all of us in your upcoming administration. And then they silenced the boos of the crowd. The crowds were booing, and they said, look, there's nothing to boo here. Let's just be respectful, ask for representation, and then move on. But from that, there was a firestorm of responses. If you listen to it, wouldn't he call call themselves, we're the newly concerned or something like that, which is fine. You, they weren't booing. They weren't saying saying you, you, you stole the election. They weren't saying anything like that. They said, we're just concerned that you aren't going to represent what exactly. is basically this cast now. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. They were just speaking their minds, which they had done the entire show. And mm-hmm. so I, that, yes, but it, but I think that there was a lot of, um, and again, so I didn't listen to this till after the election and a little disappointed in the election. Um, but then I heard Washington's, and it still makes me cry, his teach him how to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that the name of the, the yeah. 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 Um, I was like, that's the point. I mean, every four to eight years, we are saying goodbye. Yeah. And, and I, yes. so I wasn't thinking necessarily of, of the election so much as the president that's... that's well, and, the, and let's say goodbye with as few uh, gunshots and bombs yes. as possible yeah. because yeah. we are fairly unique in history. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, we talk a lot. We about don't that have any. Yeah, and I it was sitting with my son. I mean, Civil War, I, Civil War is sort of a different animal. Yeah. Like, it's not really about the transition of power per right. se. So it's I don't want to say, I don't want to forget that exists, but it's not really, it wasn't about a transition. It, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it was actually about almost the same things that were being argued in this musical. Absolutely. And are yes. still being argued today. Yeah. That, okay. Those, so those, those, the debate has not stopped. The, yeah. The, that's actually, okay. So that has been fairly useful. Okay. I was never a big fan of American history, um, mostly because I felt like we crammed it. Yes. I just like you get the same amount of time in school for your American history as you do for like world history, yes. <laughs> which now I'm annoyed at world history for whole other reasons. Also, like there's a whole there is a bundle of issues there. But um, 
digging into this, it has been sort of liberating in a way for to hear people say, oh, we've never been more divided. And I was like, I oh, precious, this I is know. every day. <laughs> yeah. This is from minute one. This is from negative minutes. We kind of galvanize our founding fathers in this like this way that we think they're untouchable. The pantheon of the founding fathers. We teach this as Thomas Jefferson is this upstanding, perfect guy. And yeah, we talk, forget about the fact that he had affairs with his slaves. We talk about George Washington as this upstanding moral gentleman. And we forget that he created a slave, like, uh, well, he had slaves, but then he also created a spy ring that was incredible. Like he could smile to a foreign diplomat's face and be lying to them yep. through his teeth. And it was yeah. incredible. And I think that's a disservice to him when we yeah. teach him in a boring way he's a fascinating person and we often because we paint them as boring political figures in the pantheon of american history we don't acknowledge that they are incredibly approachable people sure. who did have the same battles we have today and yeah. laid that framework for this back and forth of respecting but also disagreeing with others on a regular basis yeah and i think you're also looking at of course the, the one of the reasons why i love great great art uh whether in in plays or, or musicals uh, or in books or whatever requires third three-dimensional characters mm -hmm. uh yeah. shakespeare is one of my favorite writers and the reason i love him is because all his characters are three-dimensional yeah. they have their their flaws but they also have their good they have the goods and bad sides yeah well the best way to do a, a three-dimensional character is to write about actual human people in <laughs> right. history and 3d than that yeah the article the, the the episode you guys did on aaron burr um, yeah. and i love the way you started that with oh he's a horrible villain <laughs> horrible yeah because that really is he you know who he reminds me of is scalieri in amadeus mm. oh, i haven't seen that in so long well oh, scalieri is was, was not yeah. a villain yeah, he was just kind of not as good as Mozart. he was just not as good as Mozart and kind of jealous of it and and became and yeah. became, still became his good. downfall still mm -hmm. very yeah. impressive but, became but just not downfall. as impressive yeah. and a little and this that little bit of jealousy would poison yeah many yeah. many things Joshua That's you write like you write and tell stories all the time so you understand an antagonist does not have to be a villain no you right. do not have to the have the best a villain. antagonists aren't and right yeah. I mean, and look, I I'm also a big superhero guy, so a mustache twirling <laughs> villain who is just bad to they be have bad their place is also fine with me. Yeah. But the the best ones, yeah, the best ones are, you know, you can you can see that Magneto's got a couple of points, right? Yes. You know, see, my favorite comic book <laughs> premise, not my favorite comic book story, but my favorite premise is when Lex Luthor assembles all of the villains together, and then he dis like incapacitates the Justice League for a little while, and then he speaks to the world and says, hey, these heroes you've worshipped for so long have only been maintaining the status quo, stopping crime from moving forward, but I'm going to organize these people called villains, and we're going to have Poison Ivy planting... Uh, for planting right, yeah. gardens to feed people. We're going to have yeah. Toy Man, like, or Toy Maker, making prosthetic limbs for children who are uh, disabled. We're going to have people advancing mankind instead of just holding the status quo back. And he challenged the Justice League saying, if you want to step forward and defend your actions, come forward now. But they're obviously out of the scene. Right. Because, so Trickery. I'm thinking Lex Luthor is right. He is looking at the Justice League saying, you've not advanced mankind. You've maintained the status quo. Right. And so the villains who are right, at least in one my, in, from one perspective, are fascinating to me. This is, yeah. I mean, without, without going any too much further down that rabbit trail, this is an excellent example of that three-dimensional conflict because the response first of all that's usually what superman says to lex is like you know if you'd spend more of your genius 
helping the world instead of trying to murder me, we'd all be a lot better off. Oh, yeah. But also that the very legitimate response from the heroes would be, it's not our job to make everything no. perfect. And if uh -huh. we did, what happens when the next group comes along who isn't interested in making everything perfect for you and you, and you don't know what you aren't prepared for? I mean, obviously, the answer, as usual, is a third way. But it's but it's superhero comics, so there's really only two <laughs> well, ways. And, and like, <laughs> which which gets us back to to the to but Hamilton. The, but the, the conflict yes. is three dimensional, right? right? Like yeah. like the, no, they have points. Yeah, everybody's got points. Yes, mm -hmm. and, and well, the system that 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 was set up, and also the the George oh, again that song just brings me to tears because it's so beautiful that George Washington because it's the fact that he did this mm -hmm. right was exactly With purpose. That. Yeah, he said we don't need another king emperor we need to shift power right. back and forth so that no one no one person has complete control this cannot be the united and, states yeah, of washington what if, right what if scenarios don't always benefit us but in this case i think that if we had a what if scenario where hamilton just got to do whatever he wanted with the first administration it would be a totally different united states today yeah if we didn't have the conflicting voice of the jeffersonians right of the democratic republicans speaking up against the federalists saying okay hold off a second we still want our states to have some say on what mm -hmm. happens here if we didn't have that conflicting voice we may not have as long-standing a mm. tradition of peaceful transition of power. We may not have that. And likewise, we needed Hamilton's voice to conflict against Jeffersonian democracies. Mm -hmm. And so we needed that style of this back and forth. And our system today even relies on that, of people holding people in check, of checks and balances between bodies of government and between parties and just different things. We have that accountability built in because all voices are supposed to be at the table. Right. In as much as is possible. And it's one of the reasons why we typically do go from progressive to conservative just about every eight years. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of America's way of holding us in check. Yeah. You know, uh, and now I'm not, I'm still. That's complicated. Yeah, yes. But, but, it is, <laughs> right. but it's true. It's one of the reasons why there, there is, there is, there, there usually isn't a third term of a president, although, I mean, even, even under of the a, term of a party or of a, a party, ideology. Right. Yeah. Um, the only, the last one, the last one was, was uh, Ronald Reagan into George H.W. Bush in, in 89, 88. Mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. you know. um, that's the last one uh, that there's been. And, and that's the last one all the way going back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Harry Truman. So, mm. I mean, yeah, usually you, every four to eight years, you're switching parties. In fact, they're actually already talking about uh, a lot of progressive groups, um, a lot of uh, your, your left-leaning groups are making a lot of money right now and getting ready for 2018 because, because of this. Mm. And, and that's what happened. Well, that's what happened in 2008 mm -hmm. when Barack Obama became president, all these right-leaning groups got a lot of money. And in 2010, they took over the House and Senate right. again. So... It's, it's kind of set up to balance itself out. It's, it's true, and that has pros and cons, yes. like oh, everything yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, it's not helpful when you have an entire party say, for the next four years, I'm just going to be an obstructionist. I'm going to make sure you are confined to one term, as Hamilton would say to John Adams. Yeah. I'm going to confine you to one term <laughs> of political office. And then, like, yeah, it's not helpful in that regard, but it's also helpful that it keeps us from just moving down one track that recognizes one people group's perspective without allowing all of us to have a voice at the table. So yeah. I like when George Washington comes on the scene and he's saying history has its eyes on us. Yeah. It's paying attention to what we're doing right now. This debate that you're having is actually having ripples of will have ripple effects throughout history. 
and will set the stage for so many different things. So when you see that conflict on the stage, especially in the second act of Hamilton the Musical, you see that this is the American experience. This is the American experiment getting played out on the very first stage of the American administrations. Mm-hmm. And that's still what we do today. Yeah, we still we're have still that making thing. Those debates, and we're still making, we're still find, fighting those. I do think there, I, there's, we shouldn't open it up to more than two parties. But um, that is Disagree. one of my. But no, you think it should be just two <laughs> it's parties? Too easy. I mean, it's too polarizing. It's obviously just become a fight. Either I mean, well, and, why, and again, that's why I say I don't think we should have two parties. Oh, I, oh, I, no, no, not limit to two parties. Right, I think we okay, should have okay. more than. Well, because I was right. going to say this is literally yeah. in the play. No, no, yeah, yeah that it, it just becomes these two things, right. and there's no space. And I don't. Which and that's what exactly what Washington warned against. Like, when he don't do out that. Speech. Yeah. He's like, be careful of party factions, guys. Yeah. And he like saw forth. Uh, I swear that he just saw into the future yeah. and was like, here's what's going to happen, and I'm warning you now not to do it. No, you guys. I want to warn against partisan fighting. Yeah, and well, then I up a pin. If you, if you got rid of the two-party system, if you had just one party, you can see where that actually does work in our municipal systems. Where uh, there, uh, for example, uh, Oklahoma City Mayor Mick Cornett is a Republican, but it's technically nonpartisan. But it's a nonpartisan you know? race, so he is actually he gets voted on by Republicans, Democrat. G.T. Bynum, who just won in Tulsa, is technically a Democrat, but because it's a nonpartisan race, you know, it. it I think sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that would work on a on a complete you know federal scale. Yeah, I but think we have such a narrativized uh, approach to politics today that the narrative we tell about federal politics is often the one that affects local politics as well. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. we do have Republican administrations in the local setting because even if we want the the government closer to the people to have more power, we still try to limit the power of that local government in a lot of ways. So the narratives we tell are important. Mm-hmm. And the narratives we buy into are important for these types of political reasons that we will often tell stories that are so polarizing that we paint the other people as the villains of our histories, mm-hmm. as the villains of our textbooks in a way that we forget that Aaron Burr did a lot of incredible things mm-hmm. in Especially after New York death. politics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, after, after, uh, after Hamilton's death. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not after post-mortem. Death, he was a ghost <laughs> running around. <laughs> But yeah, uh, at, would at, see I, that movie. He lived till eighty. <laughs> was it? Was he? He's eighty years old when he died in like eighteen thirty-five. I can't remember his age, but uh, he's into his. But 80s. he was. Yeah, he was still done many things. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, he was had some problems with the fact that he killed, you know, Hamilton. Yeah, his political career over, was yeah. not yeah. completely over, but his influence in politics, and he didn't hold a political office that did something like that. Like he, his. Uh, conspiracy trials when he kind of was involved in exploring the Western territories. And then like, depending on which side of history you listen to, he may or may not have been trying to raise an army to attack Thomas Jefferson administration and march on Washington and to steal the state. Super excited for you guys as Burr. That's uh, coming up. Yeah. It better be more than one episode, man. I hope it is. There's so many things. Aaron Burr was the first character. One of the things about Hamilton, the musical that I love so much is that, I take one of these smaller characters. Burr's not a small character, but no. I take someone like uh, Lafayette oh. or Hercules Mulligan, and I say, you guys just dive into everything there. Oh, yeah, Peggy was your one Peggy of my episode favorites. was amazing. Yeah. I, I haven't loved gotten there yet. Peggy. I didn't realize you guys got Peggy's got a really interesting, some really interesting actual historical stories. So. Oh, that's wonderful! Like it I'm, actually I'm sort of, I don't want to say justifies because obviously you can put whatever you want in your show, but I mean the idea that she's got a very small part in the show, but. Why would you even then? And the answer is because she did some pretty 
Boss yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because it's in the, in the show, Peggy doesn't do anything. Um, and so I thought, well, why? Yeah. And then my, my first thought was when I listened to it before I listened to the podcast was why do you put her in? Well, because there are three Skylar sisters. But then I, you guys talked about how there were actual yeah. Skylar brothers yeah. who are never mentioned at all. And not only are they not mentioned, the text of the musical actually takes them out and says yeah. Angelica's singing about the reason she can't get she with has no brothers. Hamilton. She's like, my father has no sons, so I'm the one who has to social climb for one. <laughs> Yeah, so it's weird that they would put Becky in, but apparently it's so fun. Okay, here we are. We're talking about how we really appreciate like the the three dimensionality of that that Hamilton brings to these historical figures. But man, that would have been a lot more complex. The actual she was married when she met Hamilton, so she was super interested. But that was complicated and weird. That is like, but but again, as a storyteller, that is a musical. That is a whole separate. That doesn't fold into this larger no. story. Like yeah. I hardly Absolutely. blame him for glossing. Oh no, there's a I don't I there's there's a lot of well so, the, whatever the artistic. I blame him a little done. for the for the leaving out the brothers and making it more about. I mean, I mean right. again, artistically though, that makes it that gives Angelica an incredible motivation yes. to say I cannot leave my family's like my family's lineage in complete jeopardy by I have to in this context marry up because Angelica's the surrogate that's kind of communicating the inequality of women to begin with Mm -hmm, and she's mm -hmm. saying that this is my role in the family I have to find someone else to continue my father's legacy and so John Church in history is the one that comes in and he originally in history was not approved of by her father and they had to elope and go do some interesting things later on there was a redemption and they reconciled and it was interesting but um, yeah I like that they had to, I appreciate that in order to tell a story, you have to flatten some of the historical elements to a limit. And so one of the things we do on our podcast is we try to wrestle with what is in this show that's historically accurate, what is in our show that is just artistically developed, but we want to remain positive about it all. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people out there that'll say, oh, you know what, the story about Alexander Hamilton being like about Martha Washington naming her Tomcat Hamilton after him, that was not historical. So we're not going to let like, that so the we're going to get complaints right, or, Bur, or Burr yeah. being with Lee Lee's lieutenant in the in the play but not yeah. really in history yeah that's those, so but it doesn't ruin the play it's, yeah it, you, have to then you have to introduce sides. a new character and the, I mean, you know, also an uncomfortable fact of his, history in terms of doing it as scholarship is that that there are massive points of view yeah. in your histories yeah and you cannot separate them and should not try. It's not journalism. It's different. Right. And yes, I mean, it is. The musical should point you to do your own research and point you to dive into some history books. If Absolutely. this excites you and you want to know, oh, is that true? Was that person actually there? And did this actually happen? Pick up a book. Start reading. Go to YouTube. There's people that actually <laughs> sure. will just tell you about it on YouTube. Or imagine. listen to our podcast and we'll the, talk to you the, about the it. I can imagine. Because you guys would totally do this. Lin-Manuel, I think, would be too. It would be like, oh, did you pick up a book? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> our plan well, comes together. And I love that when you were talking about Burr, uh, was it was that Burr episode? Was if you read one book, you're a clone. If you read two books, you're confused. And you were like, at the at the point, you're like, I'm now I'm just confused about Burr because <laughs> right. some book, one book you were reading was positive toward him, mm-hmm. and one was a negative toward. Well, one was right. the one that was based off of the Hamilton novel or right. Hamilton musical. And you, and you really need like nine or ten to twenty <laughs> different perspectives before you can really say, okay, I've formed my own perspective yeah. on this. I've read all of the primary documents. And so most people listening to the musical will have Lin-Manuel Miranda's perspective on these characters, which is filtered through Ron Chernow, who wrote the mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton biography. And he's a deci- like kind of an apologist for Alexander Hamilton mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, so that he is wrestling with all of the tough issues 
fairly. He's fair. Yeah. You can't be unbiased, but you can be fair. Mm-hmm. You can have the take your biases, hold them in check, and rationally, like fairly, present them on the page. Then there are people like Nancy Eisenberg who write their the book Fallen Founders, and she's saying like the life and times of Alexander of uh, Aaron Burr, sorry, and she is an Aaron Burr apologist, saying, hey, he's got the raw end of the stick. Yeah. Hamilton was a jerk, and Hamilton was an elitist who was obsessed with tearing down Aaron Burr, his political opponent in New York politics. And so you see that perspective. I'm like, oh my goodness, what do I believe now? <laughs> and so I, I, a lot of it comes across as contentious when she's writing is like, hey, I'm attacking everybody who has ever written history because I'm really upset that you would say my guy Aaron Burr is ups- like a bad guy. Yeah. And so you see some really interesting perspectives. And really, we have to hold all of those threads together when we're trying to create a a well-informed perspective on these characters from history, at least. Yeah. There's a fascinatingly, uniquely American position to be arguing over who's the bigger underdog in <laughs> our pantheon true. of founding fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Like of all these super important dudes that did a bunch of really cool stuff, which one of them is more beleaguered and beaten down by, <laughs> by the yeah. historical narrative? Yeah. There's a thing. There's a thing there. <laughs> there's there, the, in the musical. There's the moment when Burr says, "I've looked at my history, and every time you've been the the and and it feels like Hamilton goes, what what what? Because <laughs> only... he doesn't see that. Hey, he uh, see I any didn't, of those I didn't think about you that much, Burr. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not on purpose. You just aren't. You know, it was his not being aggressive that that was the problem. That's and, that's one of the major themes of the musical that you have no control who lives, who dies, who tells yeah. your story. Yeah. So Aaron Burr's trying to tell his Get story. It. And he says the only common thread has been my has been your disrespect, Hamilton. You've disrespected me at this point when I wanted to get onto Washington's administration in the war. You've disrespected me at this point when I wanted to become the president. You've been terribly like you've blocked my political ambition. Even taking Angelica away from him. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of moment that in, that exchange between them, where it's like Burr, you disgust me. Ah, so you've disgusted me. I love that. Cockiness. I have never loved Aaron Burr more than that moment. <laughs> just, I, I, I love him. Where they go, hey. Hey, we're at the beginning of hey, Helpless. Hey, 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 hey. How you doing? No. But yeah, you get to, you try to tell the story as best you can. In your own making of history, you have certain things you can control. Mm. You can control your own behavior, your own responses to what is said about you. And that's one of the things that's told to Hamilton throughout this musical. You can control what is what you do. You don't have to respond to every single piece of accusations that are leveled against you. When Angelica, in the deleted song that didn't make it onto Broadway, but it's on the Hamilton mixtape, mix congratulations, yeah. she says, you know how Jefferson gets to do all the things he gets to do? He doesn't dignify schoolyard taunts with a response. And Hamilton here is writing the Reynolds pamphlet because he thinks, I have to defend myself against everything that's said about me. I can't let anyone tarnish my reputation because I care about my political reputation so much that I'll throw my personal reputation under the table in defense of my political status. I had to listen to that three times before I figured out why he wrote the Reynolds pamphlet. And I realized, oh, because Burr mentions about rumors. Mm. Rumors might start. And it's like, oh, so he's trying to, if if there's any kind of rumors, he's going to just... Kill it right out. He would rather be known as a philanderer than fraudulent. Well, which I, to be fair, understand from a very complicated Hamiltonian standpoint. And there are a lot of politicians. I don't from a Joshonian standpoint. There are a lot of politicians at that time that survived sex scandals. Like, we didn't have the political history of someone like Jonathan Edwards trying to get the uh, Democratic 
ticket and he's really doing well and he's about to win the primaries for a little while looks like he might and then he has a sex scandal cheats on his wife and you realize he has no chance he'll never be never going to be president now but that hadn't existed and there were a lot of people in the time of alexander hamilton i mean benjamin franklin had affairs like he was a (laughs) benjamin franklin was like a walking sex scandal and so he thought i can get a i can survive a sex scandal i can't survive people telling me that i was embezzling money i was in charge of the nation's funds and i took some of them yeah, yeah is he even mentions in the Reynolds pamphlet that people already had an idea of him being sexual promiscuous that that yeah. whole Tomcat thing the tom, quote, yeah. quote, that people already have these ideas and he's just going to go with that and be fine with it yeah but it's just they're not thinking about his wife exactly yeah. yes. and, and there and is the biggest fail to says me. it um, and I love episode three on the Skylar sisters when mm. you guys thought about the fact that Hamilton might not be about Alexander Hamilton it's about the legacy of it's Eliza about, it's about Eliza she pre- and advances like, it yeah, she oh, might be the main character the, I, was, I think it was the third time that I third or fourth time that I listen to it and the first time she 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 sings out eliza i went oh it because it made my heart skip because i you love that character so right. much she's yeah. so amazing um, so and, strong and when she does the no 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 in the in the um uh, taking myself out of the narrative uh, yeah burn oh yeah burn. Burn. when she just the, just no 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 over again it yeah fades. she's like i'm like yeah, the now. the three beat that you get with her where she says, I just want to be a part of the narrative. Let me be a part of the mm-hmm. story that's being told someday. And then she says in Burn, I'm taking, taking myself, myself out of it. Yeah. And then in the final yeah. scene, she says, I I'm placing myself, myself back into the narrative. Right. And you see that her passion is telling the story of the people she loves, her family. She helps to raise funds for the Washington Monument to tell the story of George Washington. She cares more about telling the story of other people and that's why the story that is focused on Eliza's story arc is all about her husband, is all about these other people around him and around her. And you see that she gro- goes from this person who steps on the scene and she is helpless. And you see that she's yeah. just head over heels, infatuated with this guy. And you can feel in love and infatuated and still be a strong, empowered woman. But she has this scene where she's helpless. And then eventually you see she's taking control of the narrative. Mm-hmm. She's owning this. And by the end, she is telling the story. And she is the one that continues living almost to the time of the Civil War. She was the oldest living wife, spouse of a founding father that made it that long. She yeah. almost got to see the states that Alexander Hamilton helped to unite get divided. And oh, she yeah. was active in American politics, at least in uh, in doing the networking with politicians for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think you also see, I mean, you see that she is immediately stronger. I mean, she, she, she crops up some, I don't, but helpless is the big introduction. And then, um, the next big Eliza is her saying, let me be part of the narrative. Uh, like just this thing that we're doing here is equally important mm-hmm. to the thing that you're doing over there, which Hamilton did not believe. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, pretty demonstrably didn't believe, but then the next time, I think the next time you big here, she's raising Philip. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I teaching, mean, is and doing him and playing piano. And, and, yeah. and again, this is kind of subtextual and I'm reading Chernow's book slowly. So I, I'm interested to see where this lands. But as a parent, I'm imagining Hamilton was not present. Like he took, I know he took care of a lot of children and orphans and they had a lot of children. But I mean, as far as what we would consider, uh, you know, being a present parent. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Like he did take a couple of the kids down with him to Philadelphia to Mm -hmm. live with him while the rest were with Eliza in New York. Like there were times when he was actively engaged in raising the kids. Um, 
yeah, there, there's a story. I mean, this is there's that. a whole there's also 200 years of uh, of ex- parental expectation in between me yeah. and him. Right. But well, just looking also at this a difference in time, like where you can be involved in politics today and come home and have dinner with your children. Then being involved in politics often meant you were traveling out of state for months away, away yeah, for yeah, months yeah. at a time and really far away. You just couldn't be at home if you were involved Absolutely. in politics. Yeah. <clears throat> you that, see that a lot in Adam's life if you watch like the Adam's documentary. Yeah, you see yeah, that yeah, he just yeah. had to leave and be like, like, came back years later and saw his kids and was like, I don't recognize any of you because yeah. I've been in politics. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I had been kind of feeling like that listen to Hamilton then you guys talking about uh, in more depth about Adam's. Like, it's just... Again, it's part of that legacy is that they were obviously all aspiring to what dad was, but the actual becoming a, a human being was mostly Eliza. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, now again, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly working through turnout. So I don't, this is based 100% on me reading things into the musical, which mm-hmm. also has a, an Eliza perspective that sure. may or may not be. Yeah. I think that that's an interesting and important critical piece of the musical itself that you see Alexander Hamilton's ambition becomes his folly. Like the whole yes. arc of the story is that he rises to power and you get a happy ending if you stop at the end of the first act <laughs> and then he falls from power and you get a really sad ending at the end of the musical. But Eliza throughout it all is the consistent voice uh, saying that, hey, let me be enough. Let me and our family be enough. We don't need a legacy. We just need time with you. And so you see her multiple times throughout the musical saying the word enough, saying, let me be enough. And then uh, the way that that is used throughout the musical where she starts off saying, just stay alive and that would be enough. Mm -hmm, Like, I want mm -hmm. you to be alive. Then let me be a part of it and let let our family be enough for you. You don't need a legacy. So it's a little bit closer and a little more intimate where you say, let me be enough. And then at the final scene when she's getting ready to go off to the duel with Aaron Burr, she says, come to bed, like stay a while, that would be enough. And so it's an invitation and a movement towards intimacy where she is saying, hey, come to bed with me in this moment, share our marital, like she is someone who is actively getting closer and closer to Hamilton and her family is her passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She says, it doesn't matter if you're fighting for this country and and you don't have something to fight for. Right. You need to fight for your family and then enjoy your family and let us be enough. Let us be the thing that you love more than the glory, more than the fame and more than the power. And that to me is beautiful. When you put Alexander Hamilton's ambition next to her contentment, but strength, not complacency, but contentment mm-hmm. in what she has. It's incredible. And make yeah. her the, if you really make her the protagonist, then you really, that's why you feel so bad for her when the Reynolds pamphlets come out. Right. And it's, she's, and in the end, she's the reason that the legacy continues. Yeah. She says, you don't need a legacy, but she's the reason why his legacy lasts. Yeah. And my, one of my favorite he parts be on of the $10 all, bill probably if right. she hadn't done yeah. what she did. One of my favorite parts of the whole musical is the very, very end when, and you can argue whether it's Hamilton showing her this or it's uh Lin-Manuel himself as mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the role there. Uh, showing her on stage as they take her to the edge of the stage in the in the stage performance and they say look and they wave to the audience and say we're telling your story yeah this so, is what's happening look at what look at how far it's come look at because of you look at how far this legacy has reached and how far Hamilton's life has touched people and how far your life has touched people and it's just so beautiful that there's so many layers to that yeah, right there she's but singing will amazing. they tell your story after all I've done and they finally break that fourth wall and they are telling him his story. Yeah. This, this, this exists. Now, here's my big downer moment, though. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like Eliza as the protagonist, is it actually her or yeah. Alexander? And I would and, say Hamilton is the protagonist. Yeah. But it, yeah, there's an well, argument to be made. And there's no, I would agree. But there's a there's a the fact that you can even kind of 
turn it is some pretty complex storytelling. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the sad yeah. the sad part is that if she is the protagonist, I mean, it's obviously a tragedy if Alexander is the uh, is the protagonist. It's also kind of a worse tragedy if Eliza is the is the protagonist because her ideals are sacrificed in the end to give her dead husband the thing he always wanted and she never gets the thing she actually That's wanted. True. Although I, I Alexander Hamilton was, tough. I did not know who Eliza was until It depends musical. on what you put as her primary motive though. That's because true. if her motive is it switches the family values. It does. She becomes That's much more Hamiltonian in the end. Right. And so she changes. She has yeah. probably I'm the greatest bundling, arc. I'm there. bundling that into into the part of her personal tragedy. That's like she fair. spends. Yeah. Now she, uh, this she I have a specific point of view. <laughs> but I mean, if you're going <laughs> to look fair. at her, if you're going to look at her as the protagonist, and that her ideals throughout the thing are let me slash us be enough that we are the foundation for all of this other okay, stuff that yeah. you do and then yeah. she in the end she sacrifices it yeah. mm. now i mean i don't think she booted all of her children out on the street yeah. and stopped taking care of them <laughs> of course in, not or anything like that but i mean she she shifts the focus of her energies yeah from inward at home or with this family outward to everybody needs to know who from, my hamilton was. moving from we don't need a legacy to let me defend to, this legacy to yeah. by god you're gonna have one yeah, if it kills me that's right and bt even, dubs it killed me but even I mean, yeah, you know <laughs> but even more toward the you know uh, the opening the orphanage and, and things like that she was still yeah. thinking about family and children that 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 she had had experience with Hamilton. you're right i think that I, she had it's it's, it's it's still incredible storytelling. I we try not to think when I have that thought, I try really hard not to think about it very much. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh crap. I, it's so easy probably. to go. This person's the, the, the good guy, our protagonist. Here's the villain. Very and they're in this, yeah. with this show, mm -hmm. it, you really can't do yeah. it. I want it. Cause we're coming to the end. I want to talk about, I, I, like I said, I've only got to episode 10. Mm -hmm. Do you guys talk about hip hop influences? And I know you, you you're sprinkled in. Yeah. Do you have an episode where you talk about what music? Cause I've always, now I'm wondering, cause I'm not into hip hop. What music should I listen be listening to if I dig Hamilton? Oh, that's a um, really complicated yeah, I, question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, the thing is that it spans so much of hip hop and we bring it up over and over yeah. again as it comes up in the musical when they do make specific references. And I think they start to get more heavy as you go on. I think as you'll listen more to the podcast, you'll hear more of them now than you did before. Uh, but we will pull out all the parts where he, he references specifically certain lyrics from uh, obviously Biggie and Tupac and DMX at certain times and these certain he, things. All the way and back so, to Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, all the way back. Yes. And wow. so it just really does span everything. Thing. And so there's no clear cut answer to that, except if you were like, I really like this song or the way this lyric is done. And I could be like, oh, well, you want to listen to this. Yeah, right. if you like Hamilton's um, internal rhymes and his dense rhyming, then you may like big pun, dead in the middle of little Italy, little did we know that we were riddles of middlemen who didn't do diddly. That'd be great for you. If you That's appreciate the slower stuff, then maybe go a different route. If yeah. you like battles and stuff that is doing something a little more or a battle style but but is doing something a little more than some of that street life stuff you should look in the direction of most deaf oh wait yeah. Yeah. he's not going as most deaf <laughs> i can't think of his crap he's not, anyway he's not most deaf anymore he's not most deaf anymore oh, uh, or talib quali most definitely not most uh, <laughs> or or them or better yet for the for the feel of battles them together on black star was ridiculous mm. Mm. one of the yeah. things they're they not battling each other but they keep that real fast battle rhyme style as they pass yeah. verses back and forth and it's yeah it's pretty great yeah. sage sage francis also has a lot of underground political raps that he does mm -hmm. so. I, you, you just got done I mentioned listening that. to yeah. that yeah and, and i was like okay now you've got my attention because that's that's what i would probably be really interested because i it's what we talked about earlier on the podcast was about the the 
some of the misogyny that is mm-hmm. in and uh that i'm like i now i don't actually i was never had a problem with the iced tea the the cop killer stuff because like dude that's your life you know yeah, that's you, I mean, I, yeah, especially I, I, at that time and the, yeah. the areas they lived in so i was whereas whereas a lot of yeah. the conservatives were like how could he say things like that? well it's like dude that's what he grew up with yeah, so that's, the police you know. were killing them at that time and but like, but some of the misogyny i'm like uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. okay so not defending misogyny by any stretch but the misogyny also sort of has a very cultural foundation yeah. from which to build it's not defensible i mean so so do not mishear me but uh i mean i've read a few things but most recently i finished can't stop won't stop and the uh like which is like a a Total history of hip hop from mm, yeah. from Brooklyn through. It's amazing. It's really good. I really want to dive into that. I think, but, but I mean, it. So even that, again, uh, bucking authority figures, I still would consider much more defensible by a long mm-hmm. stride than than the misogyny. But even that, you can take a step back. Even the um, uh, this why I feel a little condescending now, asking for rap to become something a little. I guess more literary because actually the street life stuff. Now I think it's selling records, but real talk NWA was doing something amazing and unheard of. I mean, it's a little historic, just like all art. Yes. yes, (laughs) A little historical perspective and cultural context goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, you have to ask the purpose of some of the art. Some of hip hop is made to represent an experience and express something that is not expressed in a lot of ways. So you're validating the upbringing of a person who grew up in the projects or someone that is experiencing this and giving a voice to an experience that is often neglected by those of us four white guys with privilege sitting around a table. We don't have that story as a part of our own narratives as much. And then, so you have that voice that's there. You also have the roots of hip hop as protest music, as music that's supposed to go against the grain of something in society. And that's the part of it that's always appealed to me where you see people using hip hop to advance a either a political message or a social message to say, hey, you know this thing that you have like just grown accustomed to? Let's change that a little bit and let's war against it because mm-hmm. that's not okay. That's not okay to continue staying in there. And so if I think both of those things, both of those reasons for hip hop have their purpose and have their place. You have to represent the experience, represent the voice, give a platform for it, and validate that experience. You also have to war against the context that makes that experience required or that certain thing that normalizes you have to, it that normalizes it yes fair yeah yeah, and yeah sometimes it's, it's also it is art so sometimes it is about shocking yeah. sometimes and, and it's getting supposed some to hurt attention yeah. yeah sometimes it's supposed yeah. to I mean, I mean again that's that's kind of without going way deep that's kind of the nwa experience that i'm talking about that mm-hmm. i did not get the first time that i was listening to nwa because i was like 14 yeah. Yeah. i mean you know um and very comfortable and caucasian <laughs> yeah, right. and right here in that's oklahoma right. yes. that the the idea that it was um from a certain perspective, just as sensationalized for the intended audience as it was for me in a different way. Yeah. So basically, I recommend Can't Stop, Won't Stop. (laughs) (laughs) To the the original question, also, Lin-Manuel Miranda put together playlists of music that inspired him when he was creating Hamilton. And I think you can maybe still find those on Spotify. If not, I'm sure they're all over the internet. Just Google Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, inspiration uh, playlists and you will find those, I'm sure. Uh, And then, of course, uh, listen to some of the cast members who have their own albums. David Diggs is yeah, amazing. He's he does so a lot of work. He has a lot of different albums where he's uh, at least a contributor, if not the main person on those albums. It's so much fun to listen to. And of course, Chris Jackson just re- re-released his big uh, release. Yeah. And I think there's a few others. On Leslie there Adam well. Jr. has a self-titled album out now. Yeah. 
Does he really? Yes, it's oh. it's beautiful. He also did like Christmas album and some oh. Christmas work. Yeah. Into it. Uh, I, I, that he's and he's the other reason why I think Aaron Burr works. Oh yeah, uh, he sells uh, because it so well. it's he's an amazing singer, actor. I mean, yeah. just all around talent. So you care mm-hmm. about you know. I mean, you could have the greatest villain, the greatest villain in the world, if he's not played by the right person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you have the Hamilton mixtape now, so you can listen to music inspired by, and then songs that were taken out of, and then remixes of the songs that are already in there. And, and some of those songs that are inspired by are, are amazing. There's one just called immigrants. We get the job done. And you, you think really it's going to be like a remake of that song where that line's included, but it's not. They just take that line. They talk about the immigration experience and they talk yes. about what it's like being an immigrant in America. Oh and they have I've played it so many thing. times now. It's, and I love yeah. it when they start breaking out in the raps super Chilling. fast in other languages. And it's just like their home languages, their native tongues. They're just going to start rapping those. I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. I have no idea what you're saying. Right. This is so amazing, though. There is possibly oh, yeah. nothing more hip hop. I mean, I mean, seriously, than the concept of a Hamilton mixtape. Yeah. Mm. To to watch all of these other influences like come down into you know one person, um, in into this one show, and then to just turn around and go right back out and get immediately remix. Even if you just take a song and and just do a remix and no new you know, no new lyrics necessarily just give it a, at the DJ level, like a whole different spin. It's like, there is no more hip hop concept than right. we're going to boil all this down to the breaks. And then it's going to become this whole other thing. We're going to boil all this down, you know, to, uh, to this Hamilton experience. And then it's going to go out and become all this other stuff. It's yeah, it's yeah. pretty great. Finding your place in the American narrative is something that this musical does on the regular. Like mm-hmm. this is about people being able to hear their story and finally finally a lot of people are able to look at a black man playing the first American president and see, oh my goodness, this America actually has a place for me. And so when you hear that in hip hop, you hear, okay, that story you're telling, that's my story. I have a place. I can yeah. do this. I am empowered now because that's a story that I can uh, like I can appreciate and I have a place in this story. And so one of the beauty that takes us all the way back to where we started this with the casting calls and you see, mm-hmm. I mean, Oak, the guy who plays Hercules Mulligan and then James Madison in the second act, he talks about how I get to play the role of a guy that I never, ever, ever would have associated myself with when I was growing up. But now I see that this America has a place for me. Right. This story that we've been telling doesn't have to ostracize and marginalize people of color. This story is something that has often done that. We have often told American history in a way that ostracizes and pushes out and blocks certain people and puts a glass ceiling above other people. And we actually have a place in the narrative where we can advance the story of America because history has its eyes on us as well. Mm. We too are doing American politics now. We too are doing social discourse now. And what are we going to do with the power that's been handed to us, the torch that has been passed. Are we going to fan the Hamilton torch into a flame or are we going to let that die down and end that frame of mind and we're going to do something new with it? So the question of who tells your story and what are you going to do now that history is going to look back on you and remember you is one of the biggest takeaways of Hamilton American Musical. And so the fact that all these conversations are starting with, hey, I'm inspired by this conversation about immigrants. That's where I associate, yeah. that's where I connect with this. I'm going to take that into the next realm. That's powerful and that's good art. Okay, uh, we're gonna have to close it up, but I do have one more question because I've, I've listened to the whole soundtrack and of course I missed, missed there's that song that's missing, which I'm 
looking so forward to hearing someday. Are you talking about uh, the, the John, John Lawrence? Lawrence? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but <sighs> I do have to because uh, because I need to cry in the first act also. Yeah. <laughs> is there are there there are is this a musical or an opera? There is a debate to be had about that <laughs> for sure. It, um, it is an opera in the sense that Rent is an opera, mm-hmm. in the sense that it has it, it like Rent is a rock opera that advances all the lyrics in the songs. You see that in Hamilton and American Musical as well. That all of the lyrics are in the songs, all the movement and the progression is in that. But it, I think, lies in how you define opera and how you define musical. Right. And so it's being branded as a musical. And because no is, one wants to brand it as an opera. Right. Because opera has its own, yeah. It has its own connotations. It's become, yeah, it's become another, it's become an other thing. I right. mean, there's your, there's your uh, cultural or historical context for, for art, is that now I would make no distinction between a German language opera and an Italian language opera. And yet, at a certain point in art history, it was yes. like, that's not opera. It's in German. Right. I mean, you, See, you know, I'm, so. I'm comfortable calling it a hip-hop opera, but I feel like it needs that qualifier of hip-hop or else it's you're going to go and expect something, something different. I could, yeah. I could accept hip hop opera because uh, it was just like uh, Jesus Christ Superstar when it first came out, people were reticent to call it an opera. Also, although it was, they called it a rock opera. Same thing with yeah. Tommy's The Who. Uh, well, it's, wor- it's, it's worth doing. The Who's it, Tommy, excuse me. Opera means something now. Yeah. So saying it's a rock opera gets or hip hop Yeah, and hip hop hip opera. Oh, sounds wow. amazing. Hip hop opera. Wait, wait. Somebody hip-hop-ra? did. Somebody did. A Why night are we not calling hip-hop-ra? it hip hop opera? Because that is fantastic. <laughs> somebody did a night at the hip hop album, and now I'm going to figure out who it was. <laughs> but anyway, I, that's. I just wondered because it, so there are it, this. It is all. It all it is all music. I'm it was not, the Kleptones. Yeah. BT Dubs. Kleptones <laughs> did a night at the hip hop I own that. I just couldn't remember who it was. <laughs> So, I knew so, I'd heard that are somewhere. There, are there words in the, that? Because I don't know if there are. It's, it's all driven by the, yeah. the songs, right? It, it is all driven by the songs. And even when there is more spoken dialogue, there's music in the background. Right. There's yeah. something happening there. Unless it's one of those moments from the original cast album, you can listen to it where the music drops out and there is a beat without a melody. And no beat, no melody. And you hear them just kind of speaking it, right. even in rhythms at that point. And so it, it is driven by the songs. Everything, that's one of the beauties about this original cast album is you can get the entire story from just listening to the album. Yeah, that's I, one of the things I, it's a lot of some people saying, oh, well, you can, I, when I was thinking about getting this, a lot of people were like, well, it doesn't, it's not as good as the musical, but I guess you can, you know, I'm like, well, if you're not going to be able to see the musical. Yeah. To me, yeah. um, gatekeeping in any community like that is, is just inappropriate sometimes. In Hamilton, you should be able to be a Hamilton fan however, at whatever level you've approached this. Like, if you've just listened to a couple of the songs, you're like, oh my goodness, what is this? I'm amazed by this. I'm not going to look at you and say, look, I have a podcast and I'm going to talk down (laughs) to you now because I've read this many biographies about every one of those characters and the thing you're liking. No, this is something I want everyone to come in and love. I want you to experience this where you are and enjoy it and appreciate it. And so don't be an elitist about it. Yeah. I want to open a dance club and just have this being played so people come in that love it and just <laughs> yeah. run around singing it. And it I, some of the songs in this are incredible workout songs. Oh, yeah. I can believe I haven't tried that one yet. I yeah. I tried that one. You have to skip some. They do have like whole workout things based around it now. There's people doing that where they're, they're oh, really? building classes based off Hamilton workouts. Oh, that's awesome. See that? I, yeah, because especially if you do a lot of the cardio stuff. <laughs> I, w- yeah. I was about to say, I want to make like really specific name exercises really specifically after uh i don't know okay, hamilton related things ideas. i'm not having an idea right now but it would be hilarious <laughs> shut up as, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as you do tweet it we'll we'll let, we'll let everyone know you gotta feel that burn hamilton exercises feel the burn. sure there or, a, or feel the burr if you will uh, uh, yes no 
<laughs> Actually, no, I'm not going to judge you for that because uh, I keep trying to turn it into a. I keep trying to turn Aaron Burr into a bring it on joke, and I haven't quite managed. It. I, I keep trying to fit, fit uh, Hamilton into something about hamstrings. I, I'm not getting it though. <laughs> See, this is what I mean. Like, there's an idea there, but it would take more workshopping than we have right now. Of course, yeah. If you know, if you had a football player saying, "I pulled a Hamilton," it's, you know, <laughs> that's a little weird. Um, that's good. where do you guys? Uh, does, is, does Hamilton the podcast have its own Twitter or uh, no, Facebook account? It's it's uh, it's all in graphic. Let's all talk about. Okay. All of Vinton's various podcasts. Yeah. Yes. So I run the Graphmania podcast network, and it has four different podcasts at the moment. The Hamilton podcast, the Read Brave Comics podcast, the Hancock Creative podcast, and the Bodgecast Roleplaying podcast, of which these fine gentlemen are I on, am on, on some on of these. Yeah. There's a, be another one? Is that what I need to uh, Yes, we have politics? had a discussion, I think, oh. since the last time we were on talking about podcasts. We were talking about doing a Hopefully Not Heretics podcast, which is a theology podcast where you're basically free to share whatever theologies you may hold, whether they are not the common uh, orthodox. Heavily, orthodox and may God have ones. mercy on your soul. And so we can have those open discussions and feel a safe place yeah, to discuss In Oklahoma, things. are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, through the <laughs> well, airwaves, it's a pretty small club so home. far. So... <laughs> But yeah, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Graphocast, at G-R-A-P-H-O-C-A-S-T, or at Graphocast.com, G-R-A-P-H-O-C-A-S-T.com. You can also find all those podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or YouTube. I think Hamilton is the only one that has every single episode on YouTube because I'm slow. But I make sure to to get them all up on YouTube for Hamilton at least, so you can check all those out there. There you go. And you yourself are at? At Flesh Either, like a zombie. And I'm Robbie. And I am at Alpha Knight. There we go. That's going to do it for our show. You can find us on our brand new website, okigeek.com, also on Twitter and Facebook, at Podcast. That's also the address for our Gmail account. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And Joshua, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? On Twitter, at Joshua Unruh, and on the World Wide Web at joshuaunruh.com. Go and sign up for the mailing list, or just listen to the podcast, because you're going to hear about all my projects one way or the other. He's, gonna, he's got his own website. <laughs> and uh, you can find me at KOSU Michael C. <laughs> Be sure and subscribe to the podcast. Also, rate us and leave a comment. Until next time, along with Robbie Herlocker and Vinton Bain, I'm Michael Cross. And I'm Joshua Unruh. Reminding you to keep calm and geek on. 